0: I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. I love that verse, and I'm so happy tonight we can turn this studio into a church. I'm glad you've joined us. My name is Al Brady. I pray that this message and the music will be meaningful to you, and that you will also share this program with your neighbors. So now would you please hear the reading of God's Word. It comes from Matthew chapter 18. I'm beginning reading at verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw himself into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slave saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I have mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How about let's have a prayer. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. I could pay her no attention. I could push her away when she jumped up. I could holler at her when she barked loud. But she always amazed me with her capacity to forgive. When I would drive in the driveway at night, I would see her standing there at the corner of the fence and running to where I had to go in. When I entered the house, she would be there jumping up on me. When we went to have a meal, if she was outside, she would come up and sit on the windowsill just so she could be nearby. Of course, I'm talking about our dog, Georgia. Writing in his book, Prescriptions for Living, Dr. Bernie Siegel said that our pets have the capacity for forgiveness because they know who they are and why they're here. And when he said, when we figure that out, we'll also be much happier people we'll be able to forgive ourselves and to forgive others at the same time. Now, I know how our culture looks at forgiveness. We like it, but we're a little suspicious. Forgiveness seems to be weakness to some people. We know that forgiveness is the word, but we still ask, what is the next best thing? During the final stages of Jesus' life, he spoke not once, but seven times from the cross, But the first word he prayed was not a prayer of vengeance or a prayer of deliverance. He prayed a prayer of forgiveness. Father, he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. We don't see too much of it. Professor Tom Long of the County School of Theology said he was standing at a circulation desk in the library when one of his friends came up and his friend was carrying a lot of books. And he thought he would tease him, and he said, what is a pastoral counselor like you doing carrying all of those heavy books? And his friend said, well, I'm doing some research on forgiveness. It sort of took Dr. Long back. He said, research on forgiveness, what are you trying to find out? And the professor said, I'm trying to find out if there is such a thing as forgiveness. Because he said, I see so many people who do not forgive. If forgiveness really exists, that pastoral counsel's remarks sort of stab us a bit. Forgiveness is the very heart of our Christian faith. What do we say? I believe in the forgiveness of sins. We say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have debted against us. Or the word trespasses. The question was asked, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. In other words, it's hard for us to consider the Christian faith without forgiveness. Millicent Feskey, who is an associate professor of theology at St. Joseph's University, said when she was teaching these undergraduates in religion, these people who were going to be ministers one day, she would always ask them, what is the central teaching of Jesus' message? And she said it always surprised her that they always said forgiveness. Jesus came to forgive us and Jesus came in some of their words, to teach us to forgive others. But back to Dr. Long. He points out that here was a pastoral counselor, one who works with people, one who works trying to get people to learn how to forgive, asking the question if forgiveness really existed. There's a familiar little sign in one of the stores that says, to err is human, to forgive is not our policy. Well, that's true of a lot of people. To err is human and to forgive it's not their policy for sure. Truthfully, when we look at the sum total of human experience, we don't really see a whole lot of forgiveness out there. That's the truth. We just don't see a whole lot of forgiveness out there, whether it's internationally, nationally, socially, or personally. There's just not a lot of forgiveness out there. The father of a family was dying. This father and his sister had had a lot of problems in the past, but yet, the daughter of the man who was dying was distraught because neither her father or her aunt were making any efforts to mend the relationship. A man said he was riding down the expressway and it was crowded with all kinds of cars. They were working on one of the exits. And he said, there we were driving temper to temper. And then I want to give you something that's a little bit humorous. It comes from Annie Lamott in her book, Traveling Mercies. She's talking about forgiveness But I want you to listen to what she happens to say about it in this note. This is what she says. I went around saying for a long time that I'm not one of those Christians who is heavily into forgiveness, that I am of the other kind. But even though it was funny and actually true, it started to be too painful to say it this way. So I decided to start with someone I barely knew, whom I had only hated for a little while. If I had an enemy for some time, the parent of one of the children in Sam's first grade class, although she was not aware, she was warm and friendly, and it might have astounded her to know that we were enemies. She wears latex bicycle shorts nearly every day, and I'll tell you why, because she can. She weighs about 80 pounds. She's gone to the gym almost every day since her divorce, and she does not have any ounce of fat on her body. I completely hate that person. The day of the field trip, she said sweetly, I just want you to know, Annie, that if you have any other questions about how the classroom works, I'd really love to be there for you. I reminded and smiled back at her and thought such wrongful thoughts that I cannot even say them out loud because they would make Jesus want to drink gin straight out of the cat dish. As humorous as that is, that still points out the evidence that there's not a lot of forgiveness out there. I read recently in the Texas Methodist Reporter about a minister who had forgiven a man who had killed his own son. His forgiveness brought the other man to repentance. And yet I asked myself, what was really newsworthy or noteworthy about that minister's story? It was there because it was the great exception to the rule. Not the rule, but the exception to the rule. As I said, I didn't say there was no forgiveness out there. I said there was simply not a lot of forgiveness out there, and there isn't. And then secondly... Forgiveness is at the heartbeat of our faith. Now, what are we supposed to do about people who injure us? What does the Bible say we are supposed to do about people who injure us or cause us harm? The Bible gives us at least four ways we can deal with people who are injurious to us. First of all, there is unlimited vengeance. Unlimited vengeance. I want you to listen to this passage. It comes out of Genesis chapter 4. Lamech said to his wives, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy-sevenfold. Unlimited vengeance. It's the basic ethic of the barbarians. This is the idea that you can just do anything in return for anything somebody does against you. In other words, there's no kind in retaliation. You just do whatever you want. When I was 16 years old, I worked for my father in the hotel. My father had a man, a night clerk, who drank a little bit. My father was called out of town on one occasion on business, so he went to this night clerk before he left and he said, listen, I'm going to be out of town for a few days and I want you to promise me you'll not take a drink. So the night clerk promised my father that he wouldn't take a drink. And then my father said to me, keep an eye on things and I will be back soon. The next morning at 5 a.m., the phone rang at my house. It was the police. They said, you need to come to the hotel because this clerk is drunk on the floor and he can't get up. So I drove to the hotel, and sure enough, the clerk was drunk on the floor and couldn't get up. I weighed about 80 pounds. He weighed about 250. I tried my best to pull him up, but then he would go down. I'd pull him up, he'd go back down. Finally, I had to wait on the bellhop. When the bellhop came, The two of us got the man over to his room, which was in the annex, which was just across the corridor, and it was a one hall annex. But that wasn't the end of the story. Later on that morning, a big guy from Texas came in, and I'm talking about he was big. He came in and said, where's that blankly blank clerk? He said, I'm going to kill him. He said, last night I came into the hotel. I was a guest here. I came into the hotel. The police brought me in because I had been drinking a little too much, And I said to the clerk, don't I live here in front of the police? And he denied it. So I had to spend the night in jail. He said, where is that blankly blank man now? And I was 16 years old. I didn't know what to say. I said, well, he's asleep in the annex. Well, before I could stop him, this man was out the door on the way to the annex to kill this clerk. Well, I didn't know what to do, but I decided I'd better go over there and try to keep him from killing the clerk. So I walked up to the top of those stairs and I could hear this man pounding on the door and screaming and cursing. I walked down the corridor of that hall and it was dark and very politely I said, Excuse me, sir, but we're trying to run a decent establishment here and I hope you won't do anything to harm this clerk. Slowly but surely he turned around from facing that door and he looked at me and he didn't say anything. And all of a sudden, he said, give me five. I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, give you five. Five what? Five dollars? He said, no, five. So he and I high-fived, and we walked back down that corridor out of the annex, and I never saw him again. But that man's attitude was displaying unlimited vengeance. And then the second thing the Scripture says we can do to somebody who injures us is limited vengeance. Now, this is a whole sea mile better than the lack of morality for unlimited vengeance. Limited vengeance can be seen in Exodus chapter 21. In that chapter, we find these words, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. In other words, it's retaliation in kind. That's what limited vengeance is. But I remember Gandhi said, if we go eye for an eye, before long the whole society will be blind. So that leads to the third thing the Scripture says of how we might respond to people who injure us. That is limited forgiveness. And that was demonstrated in Peter's remark to Jesus when he said, Lord, how often shall I forgive this person? Seven times. Peter believed in forgiveness, but he thought that was an end to forgiveness. Enough is enough. There'll come a time when we don't need to forgive anymore. We can forgive for a little while, but not anymore. That is limited forgiveness. But then we see unlimited forgiveness. And this is when Jesus answered Peter and he said, not seven times Peter, but 70 times seven, which meant unlimited forgiveness. Forgiveness has nothing to do with arithmetic or calculation. Forgiveness is forgiveness. It's forgiving somebody. It's it's turning the other cheek. It's going the second mile. It's giving somebody our coat if they want it. I'm reading an interesting book right now by Laura Hillbrand, Hillenbrand. It's called Unbroken. It's the story of Louis Zapparini, Louis Zapparini, who was a mischief maker in his early days, an Olympian, an uh, Air Force flyer, and a prisoner of war. The other night, and I'm still reading that book, the other night I was watching television, the Jay Leno show, and Louis Zapparini was on there. He's 95 years of age. He came out and humbly sat down. Jay Leno talked about the book a minute, and then he asked him to describe what happened to him when he was a prisoner of war. And he talked about all these beatings and things. And he said it didn't make any difference which war camp he went to. The same punisher would always be there. The principal punisher would always be there. The same one, the same Japanese man. So he said, when the war ended and he was freed, He said every night he started dreaming about this principal, one that was beating him all the time. And he dreamed that he was choking him. Every night he dreamed he was choking this man, he said. And one night he awakened to find he was actually choking his wife. Well, his wife forgave him after going to a Billy Graham crusade, but she left him. But after she went to that crusade, she came back. And then Louis Zapparini went to that crusade and he was converted. And then he said this, And he had that audience spellbound. He said, you know, I never dreamed about my accuser, my punisher, again. You see, he had forgiven him. Jesus Christ can enable all of us to forgive other people. And that's what we're talking about. That is the correct response when somebody injures us. It's unlimited forgiveness. That's the teaching of God and the teaching of Jesus for all of us. And then thirdly, forgiveness. God has extended to us unlimited forgiveness, unlimited forgiveness. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. For whom did Jesus pray that prayer? I think surely he prayed for those irreverent soldiers who nailed him to the cross. Surely that prayer included the crowd who shouted that night, crucify him, crucify him. Surely that prayer included the disciples who ran away from him when he needed them most. Surely that prayer included Caiaphas and Judas and Pilate and all of those people who were immediately responsible for his death. Surely that prayer included those. But that prayer didn't just stop in Jerusalem or in that time. That prayer has continued to move across the centuries and it includes untold people, multitudes of people, every nation, every race, every individual, every group, everybody. That prayer includes all of us. It finally comes to you and me so stop the curse the curse is broken we're free christ has freed us from our sin past present and future when a certain physician died they examined his books and they found some of his accounts were marked this way forgiven too poor to pay in other words that was the account of people that had come to him he had just forgiven their their money forgiven too poor to pay well the wife of that physician decided some of them could have paid so she went back and took some of them to court. The judge said to her, Is that your husband's handwriting? She said, Yes. The judge said, There is no court in the land that's going to force anybody to give any money because of what your husband has written across there, Forgiven, too poor to pay. Well, that's the way it is with God. God has forgiven us. We can accept it and trust it. Even we may be too poor to pay, and all of us are, God has accepted us and forgiven us. And then the last thing I want to say is this. Forgiveness. God expects us to forgive others. Just as God has forgiven us, he expects us to forgive others. And it's at this point that this parable of the unmerciful servant comes into play. Here's the story. Jesus said that a king, a man owed a king $10 million. So the king called the man in and said, It's time to pay. The man said to the king, he got on his knees and he said, Please be merciful to me. I don't have the money to pay. And so the king said, Well, I was going to put you in prison, but that's fine. Well, just consider that counsel forgiven, forgotten. Then that same unmerciful servant who had just been forgiven started down the street. He ran into a, another fellow that owed him $20, a measly $20. He went up and said, Pay what you owe. The man said, I'm sorry I can't do it. Please be merciful He grabbed him by the neck and he drug him off to jail and he said, keep him there until he pays even if he rots in prison. Well, some of the other servants told the king what had happened. The king called this unmerciful servant back in and said, listen, I just forgave you $10 million and you are not forgiving this fellow that owes you $20. He said, I don't understand you. He turned to the guards and said, put him in prison and keep him there until he pays every last penny even if he writes in prison. Now, what's the point of this parable? Divine and human forgiveness go together. That's the reason we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Our forgiveness from God is dependent upon our forgiveness of others, but it has nothing to do with God's judgment. It's just the way we receive grace. Let me give you an example. You take this piece of plastic cloth, you put it over a bush, When the rains come, the water does not get on the bush because of the plastic covering. When you take the plastic covering off, then the rain hits the bush. Well, let's for this example say that that plastic covering is our separation from God. It's our unforgiveness of somebody else, the plastic covering that covers the bush. The grace of God can't get through because it's blocked by our own unforgiveness. It has nothing to do with the judgment of God. It's just the way we receive forgiveness. In order to receive God's forgiveness, we have to forgive somebody else. In other words, that's just the way it works. If we want to be forgiven, we ourselves are going to have to forgive. That's just the way it is in life. Now, let's sort of bring this to a conclusion. Leonardo da Vinci, the great painter, was one day in his study painting Then he got mad with somebody and he told him off and they had a big argument. The man stormed out. Leonardo da Vinci went back to try to paint. He was painting the face of Jesus, but he found out he couldn't paint a thing. He just couldn't paint. So he put his paintbrush down. He went and found the man that he had the big argument with and he asked forgiveness. And then he went back to his studio and he was able to paint as well as he possibly could. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In fact, he was forgiving. And that's what he calls us to do. The same thing. Be forgivers of other people. Let us pray. Lord, how grateful we are for your presence. How grateful we are that you have forgiven us of our sins. And you call on us to forgive others. We know, O God, that you are not mean. You are not mean-spirited. And you are not holding things against us but it's just the way life is set. If we are going to receive your forgiveness, we have to forgive others. We are grateful you love us anyway. Help us to love others anyway. It's all in your name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us tonight, and I hope you'll have a good evening, and remember to invite your friends to join us for these Thursday nights. Good night.
1: Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but